Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another exciting trade deadline day. We're going to breeze through some of the injuries that happened and then we're going to jump right into the into the meat of the episode where we're going to talk about the trades, what they mean for us as fantasy owners. Before we get into that, let's do the introductions. I'm your host, TJ Branson. Joined with me today is Zachary Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> All right, man. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about the injuries real quick. Uh, McDavid, not so much an injury. He's um, he suspended two games for that high hit on Nick Letty. He's going to be back Wednesday against the Leafs. Then this one's kind of tough, man, Like especially the Zuccarello part of it. So Jamie Benn and Zuccarello go down in the same game. Uh, Zook's out for four weeks after getting traded. He played like played that really good two periods for them, and then uh, went out. So that's a tough break for um for the Dallas Stars, man. So what they're saying is it's a broken arm, it's a clean break. He's going to get surgery, and he's going to fit into that four week timeline right around mid March. He's going to be back in action for you guys. And then Jamie Ben, he left the first period, never returned. Radic Foxa was on the top line, top power play. Jamie Ben's listed as an upper body injury. We don't really know how long or the extent of it. We don't know what's going on with him. Eric Carlson, he aggravated a groin injury in Saturday's game. He played only 10.38 of ice time, and then he missed yesterday's game against Detroit on Sunday. There's no timeline for him yet, but my thinking is that since he re-aggravated an existing injury, I'm thinking that they're going to try and take it slow on this one. Who was it that was in? It was uh, Tim Heed, like, got called up or something. and That and Carlson's been out just seems like all year next up we got chris letang uh he went out in the game that you were at actually you you at least got to see some of what happened uh it happened in the same play where brian dumoulin went down on the hit from wayne simmons uh letang got mixed up with shane goss they kind of did some jostling and goss ended up falling on top of chris letang he was being evaluated for an upper body injury, but I know you said they were looking at his legs on the sideline, so we're not really sure what's going on. Honestly, I saw the hit, and I didn't really see anything that looked out of place, but yeah, like you've said before, man's made of glass. He's a- yeah, he's due for that injury we were talking about last episode. So when you were saying I saw it, and I was sitting on the side of the field where the benches were, and uh, he came off, and I'm not sure if they were just retaping his legs or – uh, what have you, but they were, they were looking at his legs. I was kind of in it. I was like four beers deep and a few shots deep. So, but that's the deal. Yeah. And, uh, Corey Crawford gets activated onto, onto the roster off injured reserve. Now Cam Ward will be kind of your de facto backup and Colin Delia gets sent down to the AHL, pretty much just erasing any relevance that he had and definitely bumps Cam Ward down a peg as well. Uh, depending on how quickly they get Corey Crawford back into the lineup. All right, Ryan Getzlav, he's got an upper body injury. It's not believed to be serious. He's missed two games so far and is out for tonight matchup against Vancouver. Right now on paper, it looks like Derek Grant is going to be the guy that's getting that top line deployment with Corey Perry and Ricard Raquel. I mean, if Anaheim was having a better year, I would say give Derek Grant a look, but don't, don't do it. Agreed. All right, Josh Morrissey, he was sent back to Winnipeg with an upper body injury. He took a hit into the boards in the third period. We're going to look for updates tomorrow. Uh, there's nothing nothing new with him so far. And Johnny Druin, he missed Saturday's game. He is going to play tonight. I believe he's already on the ice. It's like around 7.30 right now. Uh, he was out with an illness, so it, it didn't, seem to be, uh, didn't seem to be long-term at all. And then Braden Shen and Dustin Bufflin were both moved to IR this past week. Uh, Braden Shen with an upper body injury, Dustin Bufflin. He still needs a week or two to um, 
I'm not sure. Did they say anything about like what he's got going on? I don't think they've said anything. It's just that he's out and they, they said that, um, that it's retroactive to when he got hurt and he's going to need like two to three weeks to, to heal. It's already been about a week, so he still needs one to two weeks left yet. Yeah, I mean, I know that he's not traveling with the team uh, on their upcoming road trip. So other than that, I don't really have much to tell you. Yeah, it's it's going to be a weird one. They made a couple moves for depth defensemen today. They picked up like uh, Nathan Beaulieu and uh, Tori Krug. He was held out of OT on Saturday against St. Louis. Coach Cassidy does not believe it to be serious, but there's going to be an update on his lower body injury before Tuesday's game against the Sharks. So you got to stay tuned on that one. Jesper Bratt is out against Montreal tonight. He was dealing with a lower body injury. He was logging like really big minutes. He logged 20-45 against the Rangers in his last game. And uh, I think he got over 21 minutes in, in the few games before that. Seeing great deployment alongside Heischer and Johansson. And it's kind of a shame to see him out, especially because we were calling him one of our streamers last week. So that's kind of rough. Well, he's not going to be playing with Johansson anymore. I know that. Yeah, we'll get to that one later. We'll see. Uh, Grabner, Michael Grabner, he skated in full gear on Saturday. Could be on the horizon soon. I don't know how relevant that one's going to be, but he will be back in the lineup eventually. And David Pasternak, he skated today, but in a limited fashion. Uh, Didn't do any stick drills. He's going to be in a cast, so hard to hold a stick when you're in a cast. Uh, Still going to definitely be out another two weeks, and then they're going for a re-evaluation at that point. Okay, so next up, man, it was a fucking crazy day today, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, started early. Well, actually, late last night, man, Nyquist kind of snuck past us, or at least snuck past me. I fell asleep pretty early last night, and then I uh, wake up to that one and the uh, the Kincaid trade. So Columbus made a lot of moves. Nashville made a lot of moves. Ottawa gave up everybody. What the fuck? Yeah, like, don't get me song. wrong. They have, a, they have a ton of fucking futures. Yeah, they got they a have, good return for everything they gave up. A decent return. I, I, I think they could have gotten more out of out of the Mark Stone trade, but but we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so you want to start out? Where do you want to start off? All right, let's start off with all the Columbus things. We're going to talk about Duchesne first, then we'll get into Ryan Zingle and uh, Keith Kincaid. But uh, we kind of missed the Duchesne one by like, I think it was like 18 hours or something at our last Yeah, it was, it was pretty quick after, after we had that episode. So he was one of the first big trades to get out of the way. Um, so the impact in Columbus, man, we've seen him in a couple games now. He's got a goal and an assist, both in the same night. Seeing an average of like 18 minutes a night. He's only played two games, so one was a 19-minute game. The other was 17. Easy average right there. He's got four shots through two games, playing with Atkinson and Panarin at even strength and on the power play. Um, I originally thought that it was going to be Felino was going to get the bump off the power play, but it's Pierre-Luc Dubois. And what... Are your thoughts on Dubois right now? He he dropped from the first line to the second line, from the first power play to the second power play. That's a he, rough spot for Dubois owners, man. He dropped right off the fucking face of the earth. Dubois owners have been living it up with him playing with Cam Atkinson and Artemi Panarin, man. He's with Dezingle and Bjorkstrand, which, don't get me wrong, neither of those players are slouches. I mean, it's, it's not a bad place to be. Bjorkstrand and Dezingle, they're not bad players, but... Like you were saying, man, to to drop from playing with Panarin, who's like easily top five winger, and then Atkinson, who's right along the same conversation, like that yeah, really sucks for Dubois owners. And and then that, not only that, but on top of it, you're going to move down to the second power play too. What is kind of interesting is that third line in Felino, Jenner, and Anderson. Like, could you imagine being out against that line combined? They have four hundred and five hits between the three of them. It's a lot of hits. That's insane. That is a heavy hitting line 
and it's just going to be terrifying to be out against them. Right now, Dezingle has no power play time, so the power play does get improved in a way. You got Pierre-Luc Dubois down there, so you get a small boost over what was Anthony Duclair. They've been cycling Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski out each power play, like kind of in between games, but the on paper it says Wierenski's on the top power play, and it says that Jones is on the second. So whoever is actually on the second, depending on whatever time of the game it is, um, they're going to see a small boost in um, in value, I would say. Like uh, Jones is still valuable as it comes, but now you got uh, – who? I, I'm wondering who they pushed off. I think it was Duclair. So now you got Dubois instead of Duclair on the second unit. Like that's that's to me that's an up upgrade. Yeah, definitely. All right, how does this impact Ottawa at all? And I guess we can't just say we can't just talk about Duchesne. They lost um, they lost Mark Stone. They lost Ryan Dezingle. They lost Duchesne. They lost pretty much their entire top line. I mean, for the front office, it was a win. For the fans and for the players, it was a wild loss. Yeah, it's going to be a rough few years to watch them, guys. But I was looking at their uh, death chart. I think it was Ryan Kennedy out of the, the hockey news. It was telling me, like, all of their their prospects coming up. They picked up Brandstrom. They got um, a bunch of really good young players that aren't necessarily NHL ready, but the pipeline looks really good right now. Well, I think there's a good chance they do next year what Toronto did a couple of years ago, which yeah. is just, hey, we're just going to throw out our young guys see what happens, give them a bunch of experience, and take it from there. It's almost as if they don't have another choice. I mean, the only guys that I can think of that are longtime senators, you, you got uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, you got Zach Smith, Bobby Ryan, maybe is the longest standing other uh, other senator there, Magnus Payarvi. Those are the only guys that have remotely any NHL experience. And then you're looking at an AHL roster the rest of the way. Rudolph Balsers, uh Drake Batherson, Colin White, Logan Brown, Brady Kachuk in his first year, Christian Wallenden, like I'll say this much. Bobby Ryan needs to be on that top line. Why he's not on that top line, I don't know. Colin White's Why, pretty good though. Bobby Ryan is better. Mm. In my in my opinion. But like you're saying too, they they gotta give these kids a chance and fuck they, they are not making a push anytime soon. So I think maybe they're just trying to get the reps in. Well, and that's one thing that I'll I'll say about Ottawa. Okay, so I like the fact that I like the fact that they got Brand Brandstrom. If they're gonna get something from Mark Stone, it better be a decent pipeline guy. They can throw him in. Who the fuck else was it that they got? Oscar uh Lindbergh. Lindbergh? Yeah. But as far yeah. as Oscar Lindbergh goes, he's he a, a easily guy, right? he's a bottom six guy. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna top in, stop into your middle six or your, or especially your top six. Chances are he's more of a a line four kind of guy. They are a different story right now. They have a lot of fourth line guys right now. So well, he might be if, able, he if might be anybody if anybody's gonna be able to find out if he has anything else to give other than fourth line talent, it's the Senators because he'll get the chance to do so. As a Shabbat owner, what is like what's your heart rate right now, man? Um, I'm definitely disappointed because they traded away all their talent. I'm worried. I'm. It's not like I'm going to drop him. I don't have a choice. I can't trade him now because the our trade deadline is up as well. So it's not like I can move him. I definitely can't drop him because that's just a fucking waste. Uh, I will say I think Shabbat and Brady Kachuk 
have the chance to say, okay, this is our team. This isn't anybody else's team. All these other guys that were here that were top-level guys, Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, all these other guys that got traded, now it's just us. Now it's just us. It's just us young guys. They're the ones in the spotlight, for sure. Yeah. We can either take the bull by the horns or drift off into the mist. Brady Kachuk is going to thrive on that. Just as my opinion, he seems like he's the type of guy to thrive under pressure, that that he would like the spotlight like that. I could see him working well with the kind of world on my shoulders mentality. And maybe Shabbat's that type of guy too, but he just he doesn't have the face for it. I just I feel like Brady Kachuk has that face that's like, yeah, I want to be the center of attention. Yeah, I want to be the best player on my team. And fuck, now you pretty much are. All right, just Duchesne as a whole, do you see his value going up or down? Up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just, um, was that yeah. too quick of an answer for you? No, I just I had to ask the question. But um, and Shabbat, I think he goes down, but just a little bit. Um, I know you were tossing around the idea of him as a keeper um, earlier in the year when um, he was a twenty second round draft pick in our league. And the way we were going to work keepers is if you drafted him in the twenty second, then you draft him next year in the twenty first. So at that well, you rate, dra- you draft any player one round above where they were previously drafted. And so yeah, if we if we were going to do that, then yes, I would keep him because that is a crazy fucking steal. Yeah, that's great value. Because next year, even if their lineup looks like it does now, he's still better than a 21 round player. Oh yeah. If that was the case, you would still keep him? Because right yeah. now to me, Shabbat's value as a keeper is, you know, pretty much close to zero. If I get him in round 21, then yeah, yeah, probably. And we only have three keepers, so I'm I'm gonna put that out there too. So when I say his value as a keeper is near zero, it's I'm not picking him over McKinnon for my team or you know, Brent Burns or Connor Hellebuck or Freddie Anderson. So Yeah, but that's, that's what I was saying. I'm, that's it, where I'm coming from. It's all about value. Mm-hmm. Um his value would have been incredibly high if that's the way we we're doing keepers. Yeah. If we're just doing straight up you get three keepers and it doesn't matter where they were drafted, well then of course not. I'm not going to keep them. That would make no sense. Right. But if I'm going to do things off of value, if I can get a viable 12th round guy in the in the 21st round, then yeah, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. All right, man. Let's uh let's move over to Ryan DeZingle, we can talk about some more Ottawa stuff as uh, they gave up the farm pretty much. Uh, the mm-hmm. the impact in Columba, Columbus, the, Columba. Impact, the impact in Columbus. For me, it's uh, on paper right now, Ryan DeZingle is getting no power play time, but I think I could see him kind of squeaking on to one of, the, one of the power plays, probably the second one. It's not a bad place to be, man. Like we were just talking about, you got Pierre-Luc Dubois, Seth Jones at times. There, there are guys that are definitely worth their weight. If he would have stayed in Ottawa with Mark Stone leaving, with Matt Duchesne leaving, that is the way that his value goes up because he goes from playing with uh, potentially Colin White or Philip Lapic and Brady Kachuk to playing with Oliver Bjorkstrand, who to me is going to get cycled throughout the lineup. I think it'll eventually be Josh Anderson. He's going to be playing with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was playing really well, knows how to drive play. He's a big guy too. So, yeah, yeah, his value definitely goes up in my mind because had he stayed in Ottawa, he would have been the guy. He would have been the only guy. He would have been the the guy that has to carry it on his shoulders. So playing in Columbus with a top six role, it's not bad, but it's not earth-shattering. 
Uh, but he does move up a little bit in value, I think, because because of the line mates that he's going to be playing with. Honestly, I'm not so certain. No? Uh, you I think mean, of it more I, as a push? Yeah, I definitely think of it as a push, if not a little bit down. I mean, I get it that he's playing with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who has been playing on the first line all year, so is a viable first-line guy. And Oliver Bjorkstrand, who I definitely can't say that he's an automatic top sixer. Someone's got to score in Ottawa. Someone's got to get points. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he if he would have ended up staying there, he would have been the guy. He would have gotten every chance. He would have been able to take as many fucking shots as as he as he could ever want. Now it's going to be Brady Kachuk. That's what I'm saying, and, and that's why I don't think Shabbat or Kachuk's value goes too far down. I think it would have been the same for Ryan Dezingle because someone's got to score. Having that auxiliary support and those other line mates like that, that helps. And I don't think anybody I'm not saying it that, doesn't. But then, but then, yeah, I could see your side of the argument where somebody's got to score. Like you might be able to get Clayton Keller type numbers out of Brady Kachuk because somebody's got to score in, in Arizona. It's it, to me like that, that mirrors pretty closely. Okay. So I look at it this way. What type of minutes do you think Ryan Dezingle is going to get in Columba? Columba. Uh, he'll probably get like 16, I'm just calling 17. it Columba from now on. The District of Columba. 17 or 18 minutes probably. You think he's going to get that much? Yeah. I think you got okay. your, your top line guys probably getting 19, 20. Uh, second line probably getting 17, 18. Um, but without any power play time, he could see as low as 16. But I think he does eventually get used on, that top, on the uh, second power play. Okay, so at the very least, if he would have been playing in Ottawa, I think he would have automatically gotten 20-plus minutes of of ice time. I think that's pretty safe to say, wouldn't you? Well, what has has Brady Kachuk been getting lately? Because I think that would be a pretty clear uh, indication of what what the Zingle is probably getting. I can look it up. Give me one moment. All right, so I'll talk about Ottawa in the meantime. They get... Anthony Duclair in return. Uh, they're going to lose another piece in Ryan Dezingle, and they're pretty much regressing to an AHL team with almost no NHL talent left. They got Anthony Duclair, JGP, like we were saying, Bobby Ryan, and uh, Thomas Shabbat for what that's worth. He is going to have an increased opportunity in Ottawa, but kind of in small increments. Uh, I think everybody in Ottawa is going to be getting looks like that, like Drake Batherson, Logan Brown, all of these names that we've been talking about as their prospect pool are going to get those looks. Duclair with that clean slate, a chance to show um, that he can fit into a mold onto his fifth team. I think it's what his fifth team in five years. Maybe this is the one that's going to be able to stick. Okay. So to go back to what we were talking about real quick, Kachuk really isn't getting a ton of ice time. And he's top uh, line, top power play. So I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I had that a little twisted. I mean, he's hovering between uh, right around 16 minutes a game. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they roll all four lines. So uh, if you look at like what Drake Batherson got in the last one, he's probably getting like 13 or 14. So there's not so much disparity between their fourth line and their first line as far as time on ice goes. Yeah, I I get what you're saying, that Dezingle would be one of the veteran presences on that team, and he might be able to get more ice time just being on the top line, top power play, stapled into it, no chance that he's going to lose it. But I I think it's an upgrade for Dezingle for sure. And I think it's an upgrade for for Bjorkstrand, for not for Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's obviously the biggest loser oh, yeah. in this oh, yeah. whole Columbus thing. For Bjorkstrand, if if he 
finds chemistry with these two guys and is able to solidify himself into the top six for sure he gets he gets an upgrade the only way that bjorkstrand could lose value is if he gets bumped out of that power play two for dezingle pierre luke dubois might be the biggest loser of the entire day yeah yeah i could well yeah the whole trade season out of of the the entire day today pierre luke dubois lost what about what about Paul paul fenton had a pretty bad day but anyway, man. Uh, all right, let's let's talk about now Keith Kincaid. I'm sure this one's not going to take much time. Uh, what's the impact in Colombo for you? I thought I really thought that Bob's was going to get traded. Yeah, that that's what the kind of the I the really really was, fucking right? thought that. I saw that happen and I was like, oh well, Bob's is gone. Yeah, I I did too, man. Like I woke up to it and I was like, fuck, it's over. And now they have Bob's Kincaid and Corpusalo. You'd have to think that Kincaid is just going to be a scratch most of the time, right? Yeah, I think he's just a depth goalie. So maybe Corpusalo or Bob's goes down that they have somebody to back him up. What about over in New Jersey? Uh, does this does this change anything for you? I think the only thing that that really moves the needle is Mackenzie Blackwood is going to be back in the NHL. Yeah, and I mean he had he showed some stints of being decent. Oh yeah, I remember his first four games. Like it was so weird, um, Carter Hart. Bennington, Mackenzie Blackwood, Colin Delia all came out around the same time. And it was like this, this turtle derby of who was going to win. Yeah. Except uh, Colin Delia got, he fucking hit a wall. Dude. (laughs) And it's not like Delia even had all that much significance. If you take save percentage into account or goals against average into account, (laughs) I mean, he'll get you wins sometimes, but he's still going to let in, five goals a game, and in all honesty, it's not exactly his fault. Chicago, I believe, lets in the most goals per game, I, I think. Believe it. I'd believe it. I'd have to relook that up, but I'm pretty sure it's it's that's right about it. They've let in like 240-some goals or something this year. Yikes. Which is just awful. So it, it's not all Delia's fault. I can't blame him. He'll be He'll be back, I'm sure of it. At some point in time. All right, back to Columbus. On the New Jersey side, it's it's only Mackenzie Blackwood. He's the one that um is going to see a little bit of a bump. Corey Schneider, I mean, he's won a few games now, but fuck, he went a whole year without winning a game. I, I'm not going to put too much trust into him. I think, if anything, they're going to do a 50-50 split with a turn towards Blackwood for next year because he showed a little more promise. I, I remember we were just talking about that um that race between – all four of those kind of goalies and Blackwood, Hart, and uh, Bennington seem to be the guys. And right now, Bennington's going to lead the way just because uh, Carter Hart's out for so long. All right, but that wraps up the Columbus moves. As far as I'm concerned, I can't think of any other any other big ones. At least they might have made a couple small moves. But all right, let's get into the Zuccarello to Dallas. Um, they traded for a two period rental. It seems. Yeah, it sucks for Dallas. It sucks for Matt Zuccarello. Yeah. He was playing well, too. Oh, yeah. He got a goal and an assist in his first game. Yeah, exactly. He got a goal and an assist in the first two periods and then blocked a shot and broke his arm. They had him. Sucks. They had him on the top line, I think, with Jamie Benn and, um, you know, I forget. Tyler Sagan? No, Tyler Sagan, I think, was moved down. Tyler Sagan was the one who assisted on his goal. Uh, was he on the power play? 
So this is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Jamie Ben, Rupi Hints, and Zuccarello as the top line with Matias Janmark, Tyler Sagan, and Alexander Radulov as the second. To me, this was just adding depth. Like it seems like they're dead set on splitting up that top line. Almost to the I, point where we can't even call it the top line anymore because they've spent more time away from each other this year than they have spent together. And Zuccarello was going to be something to kind of jumpstart Jamie Ben. And now he's out for four weeks. Like that's rough. You're going to I mean, so. they, they must have been moving some things around during the game because it was definitely Tyler Sagan that assisted on his goal. I don't think it was a power play goal either. Well, that's what I'm saying. Then then they just must have been moving some things around. Yeah, like, it could have been a in, long in change game. or something like that. Yeah, in-game. It just had to have worked out that way because I, I just remember it. Got anything else on the, uh, the Dallas side? Or is it kind of just a wait and see uh, when he gets back mid-March? Um, I think it's much more of a, a wait and see. Uh, they kind of just ended up with what they had before. I mean, now Jamie Ben is playing with Ruddock Fox and what Blake Como. They're they're exactly where they were before. Except so, I mean, that doesn't look great for. That's not a great looking top line. Then you have Sagan playing with Radulov and what Rupee Hints. I'm not. I'm not sold. Yeah, I, they I should just, just go back to that top line. Yeah, I'm just not sold. Uh, it's not like that top line was really working for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, the the stars are not looking good. So I think that really kind of screwed them. On the the Rangers side of the trade, um, what do you see with their team going forward? And we're gonna we're gonna tie this right into the Kevin Hayes part too. The Rangers, I think, are. I mean, we've all seen. Lundqvist's reaction to Matt Zuccarello getting moved. Um, then Kevin Hayes gets moved. I'm actually really surprised that Nemestikov didn't get moved. Um, I know that that was a, a lot of people were talking about that. Nemestikov really helped helped out the whole trade discussion with how he's been playing as of late. I know I picked him up the other day. He got me a goal on Sunday. Okay, so in all honesty, I think that the trades and all that kind of stuff are really kind of breaking them apart. Um, unless they plan on going total rebuild, I think they may have possibly done some irreparable damage to their team's morale. Yeah, this is the second year in a row that they, they're shipping people out. Yeah, and, and it's just not a good look, especially for especially for, for your veterans. Hall of Fame goalie. Yeah, what does this do for Lundqvist now? Like you, you ship out two more offensive pieces for the second year in a row, and now pretty much what you have is Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider to potentially win you games or at least be considered offensive support in a way. Like Lundqvist was never top tier goalie in these last few years anyway, but still, this has got to bump him down too. Jimmy Vc was on the fourth line. A couple of weeks ago, he's on the fucking first line now. Yeah, he's kind of locked into that spot too. You might see somebody like Buchnevich or Nemesnikov get a look on there, but right now it's Jimmy Vc and and he's not doing too bad. I think he's on a little bit of a hot streak right now. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad are both good players. It's definitely going to be good for Jimmy Vc. Like I said, I, I'm just worried about their team morale. I'm worried about where Henrik uh, Henrik Lundqvist is a. Uh, a fucking pro. He is the pro's pro, but you have to wonder where his head's at. And I don't know that I've ever. Him. I don't know that I've ever really seen Henrik Lundqvist break down like that. Yeah, 
It was touching, man. Like it was hard, hard to watch. So, I mean, I know that's the name of the game in the NHL and that's just how things are. That's got to be hard. I'm also kind of worried for the Flyers in that same. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we get to the Flyers, I'm worried about the same fucking thing. All right. So let's jump right now to the, the New York Rangers part of the Kevin Hayes trade, the impact there. Uh, the second line is kind of, it's always cycling right now. It's, uh, it's usually one of Pavel Buchnevich, Jimmy VC, Philip Hedel, Vladislav Nemesikov, and, you know, even Ryan Spooner. That could be some mix of those players could be your second line right now. Right now, it looks like Ryan Spooner is going to be the second second line center unless somebody like Leah Sanderson can hop up into that 2C spot. They, they don't need to win. They've publicly said that we're in a rebuild, so why not give these kids a chance? Um, that second line is probably like... The only players that are going to stay where they are are Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Everybody else is going to get a look everywhere else. So they're going to be playing with a lot of uh, moving parts there. So right now their first power play is Philip Hedl, Neil Pionk, Kevin Shattenkirk with Kreider and Zibanejad. Second power play is Ryan Strom, Jimmy VC, Vladislav Nemesnikov, Pavel Buchnevich, and Tony D'Angelo. Tony D'Angelo on a, a crazy streak right now. He kept that one going in the game last night. Or uh, yeah. yesterday afternoon, he got another assist. So assists in like 400 games straight now for him. Uh, and Jimmy VC too, man. He's got four points in his last two games since Zuccarello was traded. And he got moved up. And the the exposure to Zmenejad and Kreider, the extended minutes, seems to be doing okay. Yeah, D'Angelo is doing well. I'll, I'll give you that. I can't do it with the Rangers. Other than Chris Kreider and Mika Zivanejad, um there's nobody else I need to have on my team. You know what I mean? Yeah, nobody. Every Everybody else I feel like is, is easily droppable. You can pick them up for somebody else. You know what I mean? So how about the Chris Winnipeg Schreiner. side of things? The- uh, I love this trade for Winnipeg. I think yeah. that I think that this was an incredibly good trade for Winnipeg. Yeah, this I reminds think- me a lot of what they did last year with Paul Stasny, just trying to get a 2C. And we saw what Stasny did last year, too. He went on a, a crazy great run. Yeah, I think this was a good move, too. I think Kevin Hayes was the perfect player for them to pick up. A great 2C. Don't get me wrong. I love Brian Little. Um, I'm wondering about holding on to Brian Little uh, because I have him in one of my leagues. And he's been doing really well lately. Uh, he plays a lot on on that. Uh, is he still on the power play, actually? Power play two for Brian Little. He's the center there. But, I mean, he's down the 3C, playing with Matthew Perot and Jack Roslevic. Uh He was playing with Kyle Connors and uh, Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, which are two way better players. Ehlers just came back and scored a goal in his first game. Like, that's a good look, for sure. Yeah, I, I love the move. They have three very viable centers right down the middle. It kind of sucks for little owners like myself. Yeah, and it happened last year too. Uh, power play two right now is Jack Roslavic, Ryan Little, Matthew Perot, Josh Morrissey, who's out right now, and Tyler Myers. So they might just be able to put Kevin Hayes onto that second power play without changing anything really. Uh, Brian Little might not be in jeopardy of losing that second power play spot. Somebody like Matthew Perot could, I think, in my opinion at least, be a lower on the totem pole than Brian Little, who um, is that natural center. And with Kevin Hayes there, you have a you have a backup plan when it comes to faceoffs. So that could be the route that they go. Yeah, I mean you can't definitely move 
you can not move Brian Little out of the center position. That man wins faceoffs like a motherfucker. Uh, he's great in the faceoff circle. So, I mean, you're obviously not going to move him out of there. But So, as far as their line combinations go, or at least what we'll think, in the last game, at least, line A was on the top line with Shafley and Wheeler. The second line is probably going to be Kyle Connor, Kevin Hayes, and Nikolai Ehlers. So, there's going to be a bump for both Connor and Ehlers. Playing with somebody, in my opinion, who's a little offensively better. Uh, I think Hayes is like 6'5 and like 2'10 or something. So, Oh, yeah, and Line A is going to get a bump too. So if you see this Connor, Hayes, and Ehlers line show chemistry, or if they really <clears throat> click, then it all but kind of locks Patrick Line into that top line role. Uh, you might be able to see a little bit of an uptick in players like Matthew Perot and Jack Roslavich now that they have a, a slight upgrade at C on the third line uh, over guys like Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry. So there, there's going to be a more spread out top nine to choose from rather than just the top line and uh, and a couple other pieces to stream in, well, to to own. All right, Winnipeg, I don't think they made any other fantasy-relevant moves. I know they picked up Nathan Beaulieu, but outside of that, I don't see anything. Um, let's talk about this sneaky Nyquist pickup, man, it's to San Jose. I told you, I, I hate the Sharks, but I like this pickup. I think it's good for Nyquist. I think it's good for the Sharks. I, I love me some... Some Gustav Nyquist, man. I think it's more likely that he plays with a Vander Kame and Tomas Hurdle. Um, I could definitely see him on that second line, um, replacing Jonas Donskoy. Jonas Donskoy has been a big proponent of my team getting dropped, getting picked up, getting dropped, getting picked up. Yeah, uh, that's probably that's probably going to stop now. I would uh, think so. Yeah, if he's on the line three with. Kevin LeBanc and uh, Kevin Thor or uh, Joe Thornton. Not that I mean that's a horrible place to be. I mean that's a decent third line. I mean Kevin Kevin LeBanc is is a good player, and Joe Thornton is. Hey, he's going to pass the puck, and Jonas Donskoy is going to be able to shoot it at the very least. I mean, you know, Joe Thornton ain't going out there trying to score goals. He's just always going to put you into into position to possibly get a goal. Um, I think it would be a good looking third line. But I, I like the move um, for San Jose. I think they took a big step forward on this one. Um, if they could only get their defense healthy, they'll they're going to be scary. I thought they weren't going to make any moves because they they had come out, or at least there were talks of treating Eric Carlson and last year's Evander Kane as their pickups for this year. That they don't need to make a move, but they did anyway. So that's crazy. Daily faceoff right now is predicting Nyquist on the third line with Thornton and LeBanc. To me, that's just a guess. You can look through Daily Faceoff right now, and they already have all of the traded players somewhere in the lineup. There's no, there's no morning skates to look from. There's no practices to pull from. Uh, those they're, are just- they're, yeah, they're guessing just like we are. But, but I fully agree with you. I see it being an, an Vander Kane, Tomas Hurdle, and Gustav Nyquist second line. Uh, if I had to guess, that would be my guess. Do you see Nyquist on the top power play or the second power play? kind of just giving that double-edged uh, attack there. Because he could bump somebody like Kevin LeBanc out of the first power play, which in my yeah, opinion, I, that's a little out of place with LeBanc up there. Yeah, I could see him being on that on that first power play. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I would think first power play. So a lot of times teams, when they trade for a new player, they will throw them on the first power play to kind of get them going, to kind of get more continuity. 
because obviously there's much more open pass lanes and stuff like that. So it's a good way for teams to get together uh, with a new player. So I think it would be better for him to be on the top power play. All right. The the Detroit side of this one, you got to imagine that Dylan Larkin uh, loses a bit of value. He, he's been just about the only uh, player that hasn't just been tossed around the entire lineup in Detroit. Uh, him and Nyquist. Uh, Bertuzzi has already gotten moved down to line two to kind of compensate for any of this. Darren Helm is going to move up to line one with Larkin and Mantha now. So Mantha gets a boost. Darren Helm uh, moves kind of into streamer territory, but with a two-game week this week, uh, I'm not looking at any of these guys. If Mantha's out there, then absolutely pick him up. Outside of that, man, like you can't. I'm not looking at Detroit at all right now to uh, to pick anybody up. Losing somebody like Nyquist. Um, yeah, how does that affect your um, uh, your ownership of Mike Green? It's got to be a bump down, man. <laughs> Mike Green's good. I don't. I still don't know why you fucking hate on him. Man. Uh, He's better than half of your defensive core. Oh, you are so full of shit. Better than Ghost for sure this year. Oh, you are Gilly. so full of shit. Okay, okay, fair, fair enough. We'll just yeah. we'll, we'll just agree to disagree. So you would rather have Mike Green over Shane Goss's pair? In any other year, no. But this year, <laughs> on average, Mike Green puts up more points than... I don't uh, know why you shit on Mike Green. He's really You would good. rather have Mike Green than Thomas Shabbat. Obviously, okay, now that after all these trades happened... Uh, I would still want Shabbat. You would rather have Mike Green over Seth Jones? No. I said half your decor. I could see Nate Schmidt, but I like Nate Schmidt. Two-thirds of your decor. And McAvoy. I like McAvoy, too. Gossip Bear, Wrist Line, and Shabbat and Jones are all better than fucking Mike Green. Uh, he's even with fucking Charlie McAvoy and better than Nate Schmidt in mine, so he's better than one player on my fucking decor. McAvoy has no peripheral whatsoever. He's lucky I- to get a shot. He doesn't hit. He doesn't block. He falls into points every time somebody's like he's got so many secondary assists this year from the sec the second power play. Like it's fine with me. He's stumbling into points. He's the will, will butcher of this year. It's fine with me, dude. All right. Uh it looks like the second line in Detroit is gonna be Crazy. Andreas Athanasiu with Tyler Bertuzzi and Philip Zadina. Uh Zadina is probably gonna get moved back down to the AHL. The Griffins are going to enter the AHL playoffs. So they're just kind of giving him a cup of coffee up in the NHL. All right. Um, like Philip Sedina, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Nashville. Let's talk about their trades. Mikael Granlund for Kevin Fiala and Wayne Simmons for Ryan Hartman. Yeah. This will be the next hour of what we talk about because everything happened with Nashville pretty much today. Oh, it was only two trades, and uh, they both happened in like the last half hour. It was so crazy. It was it was big time at the oh, time. Yeah. To uh, me, they are the clear cut winners of this of this trade deadline. Um, we're not here to talk about who won, who lost, but um, fuck yeah, we are. I know. But yeah, I, we're, ta- we're here gonna to talk, talk about, about fantasy who won and lost. Everybody in the West got better, and the East pretty much well, did nothing. Everybody in the West had to get better because everybody in the West is in the fucking playoff hunt. Yeah. All right. So let's start with the Mikhail Granlund side of the Granlund Fiala trade. Um, in Minnesota, Eric Stahl, Greenway, and Zucker are pretty much stapled onto the top line. Like 
kind of bar none. Parise, Joel Eriksson-Eck, and Kevin Fiala are going to be your line two. Felino, Donato, and Kunin are going to be your third line. The only reason that I could see something like this changing up is if Donato kind of continues his hot play. I could see him swapping out with Jordan Greenway, finding something to work at that 3C, and just moving Donato up that uh, up that depth chart there. And if if Fiala even can bump the likes of Greenway off the top line, I could see his value going so far up here too. So um, I think that because Minnesota flopped on the Nino trade that – all right, Granlund for Fiala. Who wins this trade? Whoever gets Granlund. That's yeah. what's kind of – So the eye test says that Minnesota lost another trade. Would you um, rather have $10 or $20? Easy enough, yeah. Simple. Okay. All right. But I think what they're going to do is they're going to spotlight Fiala. They're going to put him in in the best place they can to make it look like they won a trade for once. Uh, the Nano one, it's going to be a push. I think Charlie Coyle is going to be good wherever he goes. There's no way that you can possibly tell me in any stretch of the imagination or sugarcoat it or anything to make me think that, hey, hey, boys, hey, fans, we won this trade where we got Kevin Fiala. Yeah, one for one. That's a that's a and, loss. In and don't get book. me wrong. I don't. I'm not hating on Kevin Fiala. I like Kevin Fiala as a player. But and I think I think he his value goes up going to Minnesota right now. Yeah, but I but he's not better than Michael Crandall. No, and that, no that's way. just no by no stretch of the imagination. It's just and not, not only that. Happening. But but now you got Mikhail Granlund going to Nashville, playing on a line with Kyle Turris and potentially Wayne Simmons. Ugh. Right? So his value goes up too, in a way. Um, that's a hell of a line, dude. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna that's be a, fun to watch. That's a hell of a line. Uh, and and Michael Granlund is. I feel like Michael Granlund is gonna get a lot of goals on a line like that because Kyle Turris is a great passer. Wayne Simmons is a great passer. Is out there. He. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's he gonna score. open up space too. Yeah, he can score, but he's all about getting into the net, pissing people off just doing all the dirty bullshit and Michael Granlin is just going to be able to tee up. How do you think these power plays are going to play out? Again, daily Faceoff had taken an early guess. Uh, they bumped Philip Forsberg down to the second power play with Simmons. Um, I think they're still, they still got the two D men up there too. So if it were me, if I was Peter Laviolette, I would go four forwards and one D because you have the worst power play in the league right now in Nashville. What you have been doing is not working, and what they have been doing is two D-men. And I know you have some of the best offensive D-men in Nashville, but still, you need to stack that top power play. You got to have that. Um, what do they? What do they call that line? The I forget. Didn't they have a name for it? Uh, I don't remember. Fuck, they did. And now, all right, somebody's going to have to tweet at us and remind me about that. Uh, about what they called that line, that Forsberg, Arvidsson, and Johansson line. Um, but anyway, I think you have that line out there with Simmons as your net front presence, and then maybe Johansson because he, he just look at his numbers like he has nine goals and sixty one assists. He knows how to pass, so have him on the point with one of PK Subban or, in my opinion, it should be Roman Yossi, um, who's been really hot as of late. And then even still, you have Mikhail Granlin, Kyle Turris, uh, Ryan Ellis, PK Subban on your on your second power play. That's still intimidating to me. So. Uh, even Brian Boyle, I know that's why they brought him in because he's he's good on the power play, he's good on the penalty kill. You really got to stay tuned to see how this is going to iron out. But I think both power plays get a boost. Whichever bodies get to play with Simmons gets a boost. 
The second power play is going to go up uh, with the additions of Granlin and whoever gets moved down as a result of Simmons coming in. This, this, these were good moves coming in. No matter like, the, there's no way to look at it. Like Nashville, every everybody that's touching any of these players at even strength or on the power play gets a boost. Yeah, I mean, I think their power play is going to be has, <clears throat> their power play has definitely the chance of being fucking fantastic. So you're kicking out Colton Sissons and you're kicking out Matthias Ekholm and you're trading those two players with Michael Grandland and Wayne Simmons. Whether whether they get put on the first power play, the second power play, it's not going to matter. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? All as as far as I'm concerned, all of these ten players are interchangeable. You Whoever can change you it up almost daily. Matthias Ekholm, you're a great defenseman, but I don't give a fuck. You're out the fucking power play. He's having a really good offensive year, too. You are man. out the fucking power play, kid. Even, I mean, P.K. Subban, something's got to get him going. This could be one of those things. All right, the Wayne Simmons aspect of this whole thing. Uh, I'm pissed. I'm pissed, too, man. That, that return that return is not trash. awesome. It's fucking yeah. trash. It's a um, fucking trash return. They got, okay, so Philadelphia traded Wayne Simmons for Ryan Hartman, a conditional fourth-round fucking pick, and a ham sandwich. They didn't even get the ham sandwich. They got half a ham sandwich. Oh, boy. And it didn't even have mustard on it. It wasn't even ham and turkey. It was just ham with no cheese on dry fucking bread. No, but seriously, like, that's fucking bullshit. Uh, like, oh, uh, oh, uh, fuck. Does anybody get a boost in Philadelphia because of this? No. Not even in JVR. He's going to kind of take over that net front on Power Play 1. Um, Couture is going to move up to power play one. I mean, maybe JVR, but that's, that's where J that's JVR's office. Anyway, I think he's going to excel in that, in that, uh, in that role. Um, Nashville obviously gets that huge upgrade to the power play. Um, I think with, uh, with this, it's going to be the only people that are going to be negatively affected in Nashville. Like you were saying, Sissons and who was the other one? Matthias Eckhold. And in my opinion, Cali Yarncrook, he's going to have a harder time getting. Into oh yeah, Cali Yarncrook, you're down, you're down at bottom yeah. six, but yeah. So buddy. he's got two huge name players to compete with now. Um, but I think the idea of a stronger top nine is going to get the Nashville front office drooling. But yeah, the only beneficiaries of this Wayne Simmons trade on the Philadelphia side, JVR small boosts, Couturier small boost. Um, he's probably going to have a permanent spot on that power play one. But I think, like you were saying, man, as far as morale goes, Simmer was a huge part. I don't think anybody outside of the Philadelphia fan base can understand just how big a part he was of our team, of our culture, of, of our of of the city. It was an like embodiment of, of what it meant to be a Flyer. Wayne was the face of the franchise, in my opinion. He was the most Flyer Flyer I've ever flyered. Yeah, it was insane. If you're if you're gonna tap one of my friends on their shoulder, I'm going to punch you in the fucking face. You remember what happened when Hartnell left? Um, there was a there was an uproar from the fan base. The brought back fucking RJ Umberger. Uh, I think this one is this one is gonna look kind of like that one uh, in time. I don't know how Hart Hartman is gonna play out. Um, they said he is gonna be on a right wing probably slot right into that third line where Simmons was. So I don't see any huge impact for Hartman in this one either. 
And Hartman leaving Nashville, there is absolutely no – it doesn't hurt anybody on Nashville, I don't think. Like, No. You replaced Ryan Hartman with Wayne Simmons? No. Nobody nobody moves down. I almost feel bad for Ryan Hartman. I don't want him on my team. <laughs> yeah, imagine being the guy. Do that, you do oh, you fuck. do you want him on your t- on on the Flyers? So he's the guy that has I to would, come I in. Would take him, but like if if I have to give up Simmons for it, no <laughs> way. I wanted Ellie Tolvanen. Like they were dead. Yeah, oh yeah. There. Oh yeah. Fucking. I would have been, been cool with Tolvanen for Simmons straight up. And a and a second and better than a conditional fourth. I still no, think I, that's complete bullshit. That, a conditional fourth Tolvanen round pick. A conditional fourth round pick is just like putting powdered sugar on a Shit, on a fucking hamburger. You know what I mean? Like it that's stupid. Ryan Hartman is going to be hated in this city, and it's and it's not his fault. You know no. what I mean? He doesn't have he doesn't have any control over it. He needs to have the, a big game. He needs to. Have oh a my really god! He needs game. to come out and score fucking two goals and two assists and fight somebody he, because he's going to get booed, man. And yeah. and it, and it sucks for him. Like I feel bad for him. I really do. Not that I hate Ryan Hartman, but I don't want him on my team as opposed to Wayne Simmons. I want fucking Wayne back. People are going to be pissed. Yeah, if he doesn't have a big game, it's it's not going to be good. He needs to come out swinging. They said he is going to play tomorrow. If if he doesn't, like like you're saying, man, every time you look at his face, we're not going to be able to look at this guy without thinking like you're not Wayne Simmons. Fuck you. Yeah, uh, and and that's and that's why I feel bad for him. It it's not his fault, but people are going to hold it against him the entire time he plays in Philadelphia. Which, if that's the case, I don't see it being for long because people are going to fucking tear him a new asshole. And it's not his fault. And we're going to have to wait to see where he lines up in Philly, but I don't think bringing him in really boosts anybody's value. Um, the only thing with this whole trade in any in any aspect that somebody could get a boost, it's got to be Couturier and it's got to be JVR. Uh, JVR's, and and even so, they, they used to do... Um, I know they tried it a couple times with... Couturier is a left net front presence and JVR is a right net front presence. Like you have, you have both of these guys on either side of the net, two net front presences. That could be, that could be interesting. You remember that whiskey that I told you about the last, the last episode, the proper number, number 12, proper, proper, proper number 12. I feel like Ryan Hartman is proper number 12. It, it's okay, but it's not great. And that'll be it. And this is going to hang on like Chuck Fletcher. You kind of already fucked us on this trade. Like do not fuck up that third round draft pick because I'm pretty sure Nashville is going to win around uh, with a roster like this. So we're looking at a 2023rd. Don't fuck that up, man. All right, let's, let's get away from this but you one. Don't get great value in the third, in the third round. You could, you might get something. We'll see. Can't talk about it too. Who do we see take here? in the third round this past year? No, oh, fuck. Um, so Frost, or was he second round? Frost was first round. He was the one we got for the Braden Shen trade. Oh, okay. So he was late first round two years ago. Third round picks um, don't don't play out very often. Yeah, it's hard to hit, but uh, we'll see. One of the last trades we're going to talk about is going to be this Marcus Johansson trade to Boston. And I don't think they, they didn't get any roster players back. It's just going to be more picks. The New Jersey impact, it's uh, anybody that moves up to the top line is going to get a bump. Uh, Jesper Bratt was that guy, but uh, he's not healthy right now. And uh, as far as the Boston side goes, man, it's, it's a weird one because if you remember, man, Marshand was the one that 
elbowed the shit out of Marcus Johansson's face. And he, I, def- he like, I definitely remember. It's hard not to. And, <clears throat> and if they play him on that top line, just to kind of like, like I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. And if, if that's the case, then it definitely hurts Dan's on Hein. And it definitely hurts guys eventually down the road. I think it's going to be um, David Backus because Backus has been, he's been a scratch in the past few games. And I think he's, he's going to wind up playing with the Broskin Krejci. Uh, when pasta gets back, which is a pretty decent top six, but um, you're probably going to move Danton Heinen down to the third line. He loses all relevance. Uh, it's going to be really weird with Marchand and Bergeron if if they wind up playing on a line with Marcus Johansson. He he was used on New Jersey's top line, so I think maybe that could be an onus for a top line tryout with those guys um, in the long term. You have to imagine he's he's a second line guy. I definitely do wonder how these lines are going to shake out for, for Boston. I think this is actually a really interesting one. Number one, I hate Boston, but (laughs) I'm glad Simmons didn't go there, man. Yeah. I dude, when we were talking about the other day with Dave, I was saying, I I would be so surprised if Phil, like, dude, if you're the GM that trades Wayne Simmons to the Boston Bruins, people are going to show up at your fucking house with pitchforks. Yeah. We're going to find out where you live. Chucky. Yeah, like, what the fuck? That would have been the dumbest fucking thing for anybody to do. I'd like to see uh, Johansson up on that top power play um, as opposed to Jake DeBrusque, but... No, uh, I don't. Get fucking Krejci off there. You're just being selfish, man, because you have Krejci. And you're being selfish because you have Jake DeBrusque. I think Krejci is better than Jake DeBrusque. He's a better passer, which is what you need on a power play unit, TJ. Yeah, that's what that's what the Flyers do. They just pass it for a minute and a half, and then then the second unit comes out and they pass it for another thirty seconds. That's well, that what you is, want on a power actually, play. Right? That actually is kind of what they do. That <laughs> that's what you want on a power play. play. You just you guys just want you know two minutes to uh to brush off the dust on your passing skills. You don't want to score goals. We're really trying to get these possession numbers up. Yeah, <laughs> it's all about Corsi. Nobody cares. Uh, but but in all honesty, I, I'm I'm kind of excited to see how these uh um how these lines shake up as a Krejci owner I'd rather have Johansson playing with Krejci which is where I think he will end up playing um with Pasta being out he may start up on the stop on the top line but I think in the end he will be on the second line and I won't be surprised if he ends up on the first power play unit with him and Coyle being new additions, chances are they probably will have him on the second. Uh, Daily Faceoff has their best guess as Marcus Johansson on the second line left wing with Krejci and DeBrusque. Um, and they are playing out the power plays. I mean, the same way they got Marjo on on the second. So with Heine, I, I do. I, I think to start off, he'll be on the first line. They got to try and, him out. And also because him and Marchand need to fucking clear the goddamn air. Yeah. They we might have another uh, fight at um at a practice. That might be neat. What I, what I think really what would do it is if somebody hits Marcus Johansson, Brad Marchand needs to go up there and stick up for him. Oh yeah, how about that? That would be neat. That that would do it. I think that would do it. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that I think that that would that would totally change things, and it, it would bring their me saying this as someone who hates the Bruins. I think it would bring their team together. Yeah. If if somebody were to hit Marchand. Or uh, Johansson, yeah. Marshan, go over and say, "Fuck you, dude! You're yeah. getting punched in the face for this." He's my teammate. 
it can't just be like a text message from Marshan to Marcus Johansson, like, hey, bro, sorry about that time that I almost broke your jaw and you were out for like half a season. Sorry. Yeah, no, th- this is Don't hockey. This is hockey. And that's how and that's how problems get solved. I do. I could definitely see that happening. And I think it would be a big step forward for this trade to work. Yeah, it's it's like Dave was saying in the in the hockey chat, like it's it's exactly like that Brandon Manning to the the Edmonton Connor McDavid's. I don't know. I think that's a little a little different because for some I still feel like chances are Connor McDavid still fucking hates Brandon Manning. Yeah, I hate Brandon Manning and I he didn't break my collarbone. Like I could I I I don't know this for sure. Don't get me yeah, wrong, I, I don't know is... this for sure. But I have a feeling fucking he still hates fucking Brandon Manning. Yeah, there's a lot more history there. Um, we got one more trade, man. Let's get into it. Derek Broussard to Colorado. How do you see this playing out on the Colorado side of things? Um, you'd have to imagine that Colorado kind of following suit with Boston, with Dallas, having only that one line and desperate to break it up, that they're probably going to put Broussard as the 2C and kind of have a trickle-down effect that uh, that he might be able to bring some depth scoring at least to the second line. And right now that's Tyson Yost and um, Gabriel Landeskog. It would bump Carl Soderberg down a line, which would uh, which would hurt his value. And if uh, if Broussard gets used on that top power play, it's got to be JT Confer that gets that gets. Yeah, hit. after after I said all these nice things about Carl Soderberg the other day, and then he went out and had more good games after that. Now Derek Broussard comes in displaces him and now Carl Soderberg's on the most likely on the third line even though I think that Derek Broussard isn't as good as Carl Soderberg it's my here's the thing here's the thing too is um Florida was using Broussard on the wing maybe maybe Colorado follow suit possibly it could be and I mean, then that- and then you and then you move Soderberg back and move Tyson Yost down uh Tyson Yost is I think a natural center and Do you move Tyson Yost over I would move Tyson Yost to your fourth line center. Get rid of this guy, Andrew Agazino, that got pulled up today. Uh, Matt Nieto is out too. So AJ Greer is going to get a look in the in the NHL for a longer period. And I don't know. That's how I would run it. I would do McKinnon, Broussard, Soderberg, Yost down the middle, and then just fuck your wingers. I mean, it's rough, but maybe you can do it. Alexander Kerfoot on the top line is not a bad look. He's been semi-hot as of late. And, uh, Playing with McKinnon and Rantanen is going to do that. Landis Gog, Broussard, and Yost is your second line. Calvert, Soderberg, Comfer. Just that fourth line is its not awesome, but it's not bad. I don't know. What would you do? Not trade for Derek Broussard. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I mean, I'm not – I don't, think, do that, I don't think that that's a great addition. I don't. Would I don't think that – I don't think that adding Derek Broussard is the answer to your fucking problems and – this is in, exactly what they said they were going to do. They didn't want to sell the farm. They have two first-round picks this year. They didn't want to give up either of them, and they didn't want to give up any prospects or anything like that, so they went for one of the smaller fish, and they, they got exactly that. So now they have a second-line center, uh, tried and true, who has put up 60 points, has put up 59 points with Ottawa. Didn't have a great year with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh kind of flopped on that one. We'll see how he does with Colorado. I mean – Gabriel Landeskog is no slouch. Tyson Yost has had flashes of brilliance. Um, not exactly in my top 100 right wings, but he can do it. He's young. He could learn. Derek Broussard could be the guy to teach him. I don't know. All these guys are worth streaming, especially this week. You got four off nights with Colorado. 
Uh, one of them is going to be spent tonight while we're recording. But hey, you could you could just stream somebody like Kerfoot, Broussard, Yost. These guys got to be available. Broussard is going to be playing with Landis Cog and Tyson Yost. Then he's worth getting a pickup. But I, I don't I don't love the move by them. Do do you though? Do you really like love the move? Uh, he gets to come to a team that's been trending up. I think they're they have like 17 goals in their last three games. Uh, their depth scoring has been at a all time high. Rantan and McKinnon are back on their on their line, and you got Yost, his versatility as a winger and a center, and Landeskog, who's a big body, hits a lot, can score. I think it's a good move if if he if he hops onto the top power play unit, he moves way up in value for sure. If he gets rid of JT Confer on that top power play unit, then this is a surefire win for fantasy owners of Broussard, or at least it's got to be a pickup for sure. And I will, uh, I don't think that Derek Broussard really gives a shit. It's not like he was in, it's not like he was in South Florida all that long. You know what I mean? It's not like he got super continuity with, with everything that happened. So I think they were up front with him the whole time. They knew, uh, they told him that, Hey man, just hang out at the hotel. You're not going to be here for a while. Oh, fuck. I forgot to bring this up, man. Dave said in the chat that uh, Mikhail Granlund found out he was getting traded while his wife was giving birth or his yeah. fiance was giving birth. That's that's rough. My response would be, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll be uh, here in Minnesota for a while because I'm not yeah. taking a one-year-old baby on a plane or a one-day-old baby on a plane. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll see you. I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. <laughs> like Family first, and you can't blame him for that. All right, you got anything else on this uh, Broussard thing, man? What's what's going on with the Florida side of it? Uh, maybe Henrik Borgström moves up a little bit. Aren't you surprised they didn't trade Matt, uh, Mike Hoffman? Yeah, apparently is that just, they were. Is that just me? They were trying. They were in on. Um, they were in on Mike Stone or Mark Stone. Apparently, somebody who was it? Uh, LeBron, I think, was just talking about that. I don't know. I lost it because I guess I closed out of that. Um, Twitter thing, but yeah, they were like, oh, the price was too high. We weren't going to do it. They were going to try for Stone, but I couldn't imagine Mike Hoffman going back to Ottawa. Jeez, the price was too high? Yeah, second round pick and a prospect. Yeah, uh, what kind of, that's too high for them? Mm. Jesus Christ. I mean, unless they just wanted to send Mike Hoffman right back. Yeah. Hey, you can just have him back. No, no thank you. (laughs) Well, I mean, in all honesty, I, I wonder, like, because I always have, like, all year, I've been wondering, why do they keep moving Mike Hoffman around so much when, I mean, he seems to do decent. They have him moving all around the fucking lineup. Very rarely plays with the same fucking two people two games in a row. Like, is he that much of an asshole? Do they dislike yeah. him that much within the organization? It's just, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. You know what I mean? Well, I wish there I might could, be. There might I be wish I could ask now. Bob Movner what the fuck is going on. There might be some continuity now that they are um, kind of shoehorned into it. All right, man. That's, yeah, it's all the big trades. Did you want to touch on any of these little ones? Michael Delzado to St. Louis, Good Branson to Pitt, Tanner Pearson to Vancouver, Brandon Montour to Buffalo. Any of these? Um, I just think it's hilarious that somebody else has Michael Delzado now. <laughs> Good. Oh, yeah. It's all for you, St. Louis people. I mean, how could they possibly be happy about something like that? Oh, they're all in, man. They went all in for MDZ. And Michael Delzato 
sucks. Oh man. All right. On that note, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Call it a night. Well, that's what we got for the trade deadline edition. If you guys have any questions further, um, I know we kind of breezed through this one. Only talked about the, the bigger trades here. If you guys are wondering about the smaller trades or if there's something we didn't cover that you wanted, um, that you wanted to talk about, feel free to hit us up on the Twitter. We're at FHF hockey. I'll be happy to discuss further with you anything that I might have missed. Um, be sure to give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Nate Graham, he uh, he left us a nice one. I think I sent you a screenshot of that one. No, you didn't. I didn't. I w- I'm sure I will no. then. Um, Nate, thanks for the review, buddy. We appreciate it. And um, yeah, guys, we'll we'll get back to you next week probably. Yeah, Sunday, I'm thinking, just depending on uh, what your schedule is. But uh, yeah, that's it from us, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us. We love you. Love you.